you, okay? I guess to go to this side, more of them over here. We'll go this side. Sorry, I'm not trying to. Yeah, you could just have a seat real quick. I'll sit right here, kind of face you a little bit. All right, way back in the wonderful woods, the animals there are a whole lot like people. If you listen real close, you can almost hear them talking. Hey, hey, Wally, how's it doing? Oh, uh, I'm fine, Jim Bob, but you're talking kind of funny for a rabbit. I know, I know that's because I lost a tooth. A what? I lost a tooth. Oh, well, that's not good for rabbits to lose a tooth. I know, I only lost one of my teeth. Uh, what happened? Well, it was Billy Bucktooth. What happened with Billy Bucktooth? Yeah. I already had one tooth that was loose, and he knew about it. And he came and he hit me on the mouth, and when he did, one of my teeth fell out. Oh, uh, that's horrible. Yeah, you don't know the worst of it. I only get to eat half of a carrot now with only one tooth. And when I smile, everybody makes fun of me. Oh, uh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, and all I can think about is getting even. Oh, uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I think about Billy Bucktooth. I'm going to knock out one of his teeth. Oh, uh, that doesn't sound very nice. I know. I've been thinking about ten different ways I could knock out his teeth. Oh, uh, that doesn't sound nice at all. Yeah, I think we're going to go play baseball, and then I'm going to say, throw the ball to me, and I'm going to hit the ball right in his mouth and knock out one of his teeth, and I'll say, yeah, now we're even. Uh, that really doesn't sound very nice. You know the worst part about getting even? No, what's that? It robs you of your joy. No, I think I'll have a lot of joy when I get even. <laughs> I think I'll have a lot of joy. Uh, no, it'll be funny for a moment, but you can't be joyful and be angry with someone at the same time. Ah, uh, I think I can. No, God says don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil for good. You need to think about what you could do good to Billy Bucktooth. I can't think of anything except maybe making not one of his teeth, but maybe two of his teeth come out. That'd be better, right? Uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. You have to find a way to be kind, like maybe take him the best dessert you could think of. What? Are you kidding? That would, I don't know if I could do that. I'm just telling you, when you're kind, then you learn to get your joy back. So, boys and girls, you're always going to have something bad happen to you, every one of you. You're going to have somebody at school do something, you're just going to think, I'm going to knock their books over, I'm going to get mad at them. You're going to find ways, but when you're trying to get even, you lose your joy. But when you learn to be kind, you'll get your joy back. All right, go to class. Okay. That was fun, right? Billy Bucktooth, there we go. Have a little fun with him. Nobody here has ever gotten your teeth knocked out and wanted to get even before, have you? No, that's only for little kids and animals in the wonderful woods. 
Uh, I wanted to give you some update before I get started uh, in with the series. Uh, Larry, thank you for telling a little bit about all I do. One of the things that's been happening over the last couple of years, I've come in, I am an overseer. I don't really have an official title, so if you want to call me a bishop, I could do that. You could call me the Most Reverend Bishop Greg Rogers if you want to do that. I, you know, titles, I don't know how we get them, but anyway, I have a friend, uh, Pastor Benjamin Pena. He's a Hispanic pastor, and he and his wife started a church here in, Tus- uh, in Birmingham. I knew him. He was part of our uh, we shared facilities when we were in Tuscaloosa. He started a new church, and when he did, he asked for Pam and I if we would be his pastors, uh, Pam and I, to, for he and his wife. And so we're like, well, I don't know what that means, and sure, we'll do that. And so he said, well, what it means, I want you to come in, and when you do, uh, I want everybody to know that I'll tell them you're my pastor. And uh, if there's a problem that they have, then you're the guy that they need to call. And I thought... I didn't know that's what I was signing up for when I did that. And uh, so uh, recently we've had to go through some conflict. And I've had to come in and talk to the church members about the conflict and how it ended. I'm thinking, wow, I didn't know this all fit with that title there. But I come over and speak. So sometimes you'll see me come in on a Sunday morning. Their church begins at 11. So I come in for worship for about 30 minutes and then go over. If you see that, go about about once a quarter. I'll, I'll go and preach some doctrine at this church. Well, in the last two years, he's actually started another church or was connected with another church in Boaz. And then this past week, we actually started a congregation again in Tuscaloosa. So that's three years. That was multiplication, and that's him. I just sort of get the benefit of what he's doing there. But uh, he invites me to preach, and, and I don't speak Spanish. He, he translates for me, and it's a lot of fun to, to be able to do it. He's a great translator that if I go like this, he'll do that with his right arm. If I do it with my left, he does it with his left. Uh, I was talking about poking somebody, and, and so I poke him, and then when he's translating, he's poking me. So i got to make sure I know what I'm doing there because he, he mimics everything, but it's a lot of fun. And hopefully you'll get to meet Pastor Ben at some point in time. But uh, So it's, it's odd. I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know what to call that, but uh, when he introduces me, he tells everybody, this is my pastor. And he pauses like that, and he says, I submit. If he says yes, I say yes. If he says no, I don't do it. And so we have that relationship where I call and, and stay in touch with him, encourage him, and, and uh, a lot of fun there. We also are continuing our backpack ministry. This is like the 14th year that we've been doing this. We give about 2,000 backpacks away. Last year we did it in 14 different locations. 14 different locations. Now, we don't do all that work. What we do is we coordinate a church like yours, for instance, and say, here's how you can do it. We're going to give you the supplies. We have the names from the city and the county schools, and we've collected these names and put them close to where your church is. And so here's how you do it. It'll take you about two or three hours. And we go through and we do a lot of training on the front end. But on the day of the event, we, I mean, anybody that shows up really doesn't really even know who we are. I mean, it's a lot of the back behind-the-scenes stuff. And so we got connected uh, to... Last year with a company out of Atlanta called Life Totes, and they are connected to a ministry in Cambodia where they're rescuing ladies out of sex trade, and they're giving them a cottage industry, and they were making back, uh, handbags, and Pam said, well, could you make backpacks? And so last year was the first time that they'd actually converted over. They made backpacks. We bought a bunch of them, over something like 1,500, 1,600 backpacks from it. From that, they used the profits from what we did to bless our kids, they actually built a school for kids in a dump. 
And so it's just, it was kind of a, this reciprocal thing that's going on. So we're buying more backpacks and that ministry is continuing to grow. And so it's just neat to see how that happens. Pam is going to maybe here a little bit later. I'm not sure exactly, but she has some backpacks if you do, if you'd like to see what those look like. They're really sturdy and it's just fun stuff. So that takes about four, five months out of the year to do that backpack ministry. So when, you, when he says we're doing city ministry to coordinate and to collect the names and to collect the supplies and then coordinate the distribution dates, it's a lot of work, a lot of money raising. We don't have grants necessarily, so we're talking to individuals and people about raising those funds to make that happen. And so uh, those are just some fun things that we do there. Uh, quickly, you know that I have six kids and four of them are married, uh, two are not yet, and so at some point that'll happen, but we're, we're over the halfway point. We have three grandchildren, and so uh, with that, you know that if you want to know more about what the kids are doing and where they're at, and Jonathan and David are both trying to become owner-operators in the Chick-fil-A world, and so they're traveling the United States, literally. David is in Washington, D.C., and Elizabeth are in D.C. right now, and Jonathan's in Kentucky. David's next trip is to Seattle. So, I mean, they're, they're literally trans uh, going all over. All right. Well, I think we're ready to get started. Oh, no, I forgot. I'm a grandparent. How'd that picture get in there? I don't know. I didn't mean to do that, right? And so, I don't know how that does that, but, oh, well, I'm sorry. Pam must have got in there and wanted to have a picture in there. All right, if you turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the sower and the seeds and... Uh, how to become fertile soil for all of those things. And so uh, here's the deal. If I'm out early, then you get to tell Bart that you get to invite me back, all right? If we're out late, then you just, you know, we'll just stay here as long as I can make it happen, all right? <laughs> so we're going to see how all that works there. But uh, the parable of the sower, Mark 4, we're going to read Jesus' explanation. Not the, the full part of it, but his explanation. Because he tells the story to his disciples, and they look at him and go, we don't get it. It's much like us. We're reading the Bible many times. We say we don't get it, so Jesus explains it. He starts in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the words of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. When I read this, I would always get frustrated because he would explain the three bad soils and then give very little explanation for the good soil. And so my thought was, well, then what it is, we're supposed to work really hard, all of us work really hard, that we're not the bad soil. Right? Because we can understand those. Many people, when they interpret this, talk about the gospel, those that are going to be saved and how that happens. And so you see the first soil is it falls on the hard, rocky ground, and uh, Satan comes and takes it away like a bird would just kind of take the seed away. All of us have had that happen to us, right? You hear the word on Sunday, Bart's preaching, you're thinking this is a great word. You walk out and somebody says, hey, I see you got a new car, and you've forgotten the word. And that happens quick, right? Every one of us, I mean, both hands raised. We just have a really good word. We know it's a word, but it doesn't even last before we get out. 
Uh, then he goes and says the second seed is the one that has uh, rocky soil. It sort of produces quickly, a lot of joy, but because it has no root, it doesn't last. Those are your kids at camp this week. How many of you have seen kids come back from youth camp? Man, I'm so excited. We saw God. And all the, all the parents are going, yeah, I know you're excited. Happy for you. One day, two days, three days. In a week, it seems like it's just gone. Now, I'm not cursing what happens at camp. Please understand, I want it to last. But I'm just saying we understand how that happens, that kids come back and they're saying, I've had a revelation, God is, and, and parents were listening to it, but then it just we know that it doesn't last because partly as they're into it, they're, they're trying to figure out how this is going to work for them. And so we, we hear all that and we're just like, okay, there's no root there. And the next one, boy, we can fully understand. He says, now, still others, where worries of this life come and the deceitfulness of wealth and, and all those things choke out the word. We, we understand worries of this life. By the way, this is free. This wasn't in the sermon, but it, it, I heard it last week and I thought this was really good. And as I was sitting there, I said, I need to add this in here. And James, it says, worry about what? Nothing, right? But in everything, give thanks, right? So in your life and my life, why don't you just make two boxes? One is the nothing box. The other box is the everything box. And when you're ready to worry, I want you to write it down and put it in the nothing box. Because you really shouldn't be worrying about it. I mean, physically, if you have a problem with worrying, I'm telling you. I, I heard that in a sermon, and that next week I was telling Pam, look, we've got to put this in the nothing box. Because it can't be in both boxes at the same time. So put the worries in the nothing box. But in everything, that means you take everything else and you take it to God in prayer with thanksgiving, supplication. He mentioned several things there you're supposed to do with it. All right, that's a freebie. That wasn't part of that. That Just take that. Nothing box, everything box. If you have a problem with worry, write a nothing box and see what you put in it. Because if you're afraid to put it in it and leave it in it, then you're actually not uh, fulfilling scripture there. All right, so those are the three soils. And so you work really hard saying, if I'm going to be fruitful 30, 60, and 100-fold, I need to make sure that I, I don't do these other things he just talked about. Because that seems like that was the only explanation. But as I, as I continued to study the Scripture, I felt like Jesus then took the next series of parables to say, hey, let me explain what the kingdom is like for those that are fruitful. For those that bear that 36 and 100 fold, I'm going to share some secrets, simple secrets about what it means to have a fruitful, fertile soil in your life. Now, I'm not very good with all the PowerPoint stuff, so all the P's come up at once here. That's fine. You can get all the answers. <laughs> and if I was good, I, I asked Katie, and she didn't help me out there, and I could have figured it out. I said, forget it. I'm putting all the P's up at once. Those that want to fill out the rest of it, you can fill it out, but we'll go through them one at a time. All right, the first one is that he says to them, he said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand for everyone to see? Now think, here's what he's talking about, and you're going to see this several times as we go through it. He's talking about hearing the word of God, being a fertile soil, one that hears that word of God speak to you. So he talks about a lamp and putting it on a stand. Now, he means that you're going to make it a priority in your life. You're making it a priority. What are you making a priority? 
hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God. Now, don't think that I'm talking about the priority means reading your Bible. Although you hear the word of God from reading your Bible. But most of us immediately would say, oh yeah, I have a priority, I have a devotional time. Or I I come to church and I listen to Bart preach. And so we think of, of things that we do to be able to hear the word of God. But I'm talking about hearing God speak to you. Not just in your devotional time, but at any moment, in any time. It's a priority in your life. You, you take this lamp and you put it in a place that you says, you know what, this is so important. And I'm not just going to go home and just say, yeah, hearing God's important to me. I can't remember the last time I actually heard him talk to me, but I know it's important to me. That's hiding it under a bed or putting it away. You may tell people it's important, but they can all see the lamp that's on the stand. It should be regular that we talk to people about what God's saying to us. What's God saying? What's he, what's he been saying to you? That's something we should, say, we should be able to speak about regularly because it's such a priority. Now, you can't make God talk. But if you'll notice, he's throwing seed out on all kinds of soil. It's not just the spiritual person that gets the seed of God's word. It's all that soil. So it's not like God saying, I just have a little bit of seed, so I need to seed so sparingly. Oh, that person looks like they really want to hear. I'll give them a little bit. He's throwing it out all the time. The heavens, what? Declare. What are they saying? I'm God. If you're not listening, just look up. Who created this? I'm God. Every part of creation is shouting to us, speaking to us that there is a God. So he's sowing all the time. I mean, he's sowing that word all the time. And so don't be afraid that you're thinking, well, I'm trying to hear God, but I don't know if he really wants to speak to me. He's speaking. He just says here that he's sowing that seed on all kinds of soil. So you put it a priority. You put it at something. And and so you know this, right? Moms, they don't, (laughs) their number one fear when they have a baby, am I going to wake up when it cries? But when that baby's born, that priority of a little whimper rises so high that instantly mom's saying, oh, I'm up. I heard it. It turned over in its bed. Didn't even whimper. Just turned over in its bed. Right? Why? Because the priority level of hearing what's happening when that baby's sleeping is just so high that you just can't, you, you, at this point, you hear everything. It's a priority to hear um, there. So that's the first part of it. Right? So if you want to be fruitful, you're going to place a high priority on hearing God speak. Now, I don't mean physically hearing him speak, right? We're talking about him speaking to our spirit man. Speaking to our spirit man. We have spiritual ears. Jesus said again and again, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. Jesus also said, no longer am I going to treat you like slaves, but you're my friends. And my friends, I'm going to tell them, speak to them about what's going on. There's an anticipation that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you and I should be hearing him speak often. Now, there's a problem with that. That's part of the next verse of why we maybe don't engage in it fully. It says, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's speaking about hearing again. 
what is he saying here in this? He's saying that there's a penetration of the Word of God. That when he speaks, it goes beyond all kinds of things in our life. Hebrews 4.12, you're familiar, it says the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, yes, we want to make it a priority, and as soon as we make it a priority, he begins to go, Greg, what do I see there in your heart? And you're like, I don't want it to be that much of a priority. I mean, you could see, you could see that. I had everybody fooled. You went right in. You saw that attitude. You heard the sarcasm in that answer, God. Now you're going to have to make me go and apologize? Ugh. When he begins to speak, it penetrates into our life. Nothing is hidden. So as, soon as, so as soon as you say, I want to make it a priority, guess what? To be fruitful means you're going to allow it to penetrate. It's like, you know, if you're sowing seed, when we did in our garden, before we planted, I had to go break up the ground from last year. Yeah, I had to break up. I had to actually make it moist again and get it ready. You have to break up that ground. And God's word, it says, if you want to make it a priority, I'm going to come and I'm going to begin to break up that soil in your heart because you think you're going to produce fruit, but not, not unless you let my word penetrate into your life. I mean, it's got to, it's got to be able to go anywhere it wants to go. You're like, well, God, you know, I've compartmentalized you in my life. You're, this is my religious section of my life. When I smile and I'm around all the friends there, but over here, you know, there's another area. Uh, the variety of work I do, uh, I, sometimes I tell people I'm a pastor and sometimes I don't. Many times I don't because I get to see what people are like when they don't think the pastor's around. And the conversation that occurs when the pastor's around. Because as soon as they find out, then they go, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, I mean to cuss. I'm thinking, well, yeah, you did mean to cuss. You just happened to be here. So I get to hear all of those things that, that are happening there, but the, the Word of God says that as it comes in, we get, to, we get to break that up so that we get to be who God's called us to be. We have to allow it to penetrate within our lives. All right, so we've got it a priority, and now we're going to let the Word penetrate. I, I don't like that part any more than you do, by the way, and so I, I really am ready to go on to another point because of the penetration of it. But I'm telling you, you can't have one without the other. You can't say, I want the priority of God speaking to my life if I'm not willing for him to penetrate every arena. Those go together. If you're going to produce 30, 60, and 100-fold, you've got to allow him to speak about every issue of your life. And everything he speaks is not negative, but you just have to be free to let him move and then respond. Because, see, he, he speaks to you first. He says, consider carefully what you hear. Again, all of this passage is about hearing. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I talk about the polarity. I never could find the right P word to, to do this. The polarity of hearing with God. But this is the mathematics of the kingdom right here. He says, one plus one, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. One plus one is greater than two. 
One plus one is greater than two. That's the mathematics of the kingdom according to what he said. Jesus is talking. With the measure you use, whatever measure you use, I'm going to use that measure, but I'm also going to give you more. One plus one is greater than two. That, that, is, the, that is the mathematics of the kingdom. For those when we are responding to wanting to hear God. In the measure you use to want to hear me, I'm going to respond and speak to you and even more. You want to be fruitful? As soon as you want to hear my voice, I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to speak to you even more. Even what you're not asking for, I'm going to begin to speak to you. In the same measure that you use, I'm going to begin speaking into your life. He also says that the, the polarity of it is, is one plus zero. That's God calling. I'm sorry. He could just call back or leave a message. He knows I'm doing something important, right? So he doesn't, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. All right. One plus zero is less than one. Isn't that what he says? This is God. I better take it. I'm a little afraid, God. Don't you know I'm actually in the middle of a sermon? I'm preaching to these people. You, you already knew that. I knew you did. All right, before I get started, God, before you say anything else, is this like a holy call? Do I need to, like, take my shoes off? Is it one, like Moses? Are you going to talk? I mean, it's pretty important if you interrupt the middle of my sermon. Is this like you're going to call me to go speak release to the captives? No, it's not that kind of call. Okay. Okay. Well, everybody's watching me talk to you. Yeah, you can see that too. Right. Okay. I got it. All right. Uh, one other question. How did you get my number? You have everybody's number. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. Well, was there something I could do for you? Because I really do need to finish this sermon here. You want me, you want me to go to my neighbor? You want me to go to my neighbor? Uh, I, I got a lot of neighbors. You want me to take the dessert to my neighbors? Okay, I could do that, God. I, I got it. I could take dessert to my neighbors and that neighbor, that one. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I, is it okay if I just take it and leave it on his doorstep, ring the doorbell and run? I'll leave a note. No, no, that's not what you want me to do. You want me to take the dessert to my neighbor and ring the doorbell and stay there. Okay, I, I can do that. And uh, you want me to tell him that you have his number too? Okay, <laughs> I can do that too. And then, wow, you want me to tell him that, God, this is a real stretch. You want me to tell him that you heard his prayers and you're sending me there to pray for him? Okay. God, this is allowing a lot of stretch of my faith to believe that this is you saying this to do that, but I'll do it uh, next week. No, you want me to do it today. Okay. All right, well, God, it's been, uh, it's been nice talking to you. I got to get back up. But I have a quick question. Do you have, like, spyware to know who I've been talking to, or can you listen in on this phone? You, you, you do. Okay, I, I, I just want to know. I'm getting rid of this phone and uh, see where it's been there. And uh, Okay, God, this has been real. We'll do it again another time, all right? Later. Yeah, real later. All right, bye.
I forgot to tell him to call Bart. <laughs> Maybe he could FaceTime him. That would be good. <laughs> okay. All that's silly because here's the deal. Anytime that God talks to you, anytime that he talks to you, anytime that he talks to you, the measure that you use is called faith. The measure you're using is faith. And of course, you can see throughout scriptures the measure God's given us, each a measure of faith that mentions this. It actually is a term that talks about like a measurement, like a ruler. But the ruler in your life is faith. All right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? So we're thinking the Word of God is the Bible, which it is. It includes that. Don't ever dismiss that. But it's more than just the Bible. And so our ability to uh, respond to God is in the area of faith. He's going to speak to every one of us. And some will say, I believe that's God. Or you're going to say, I believe that was the pizza I ate last night. Or you're going to say, I don't know what God sounds like. That sounds a little odd to me. But it will always require faith. And the measure you use, and the more they'll be given is that when we respond to him in faith, he increases our faith for him, for us to hear him the next time. So we go, I know what God sounds like here. I know what God sounds like here. So this definitely must be God here. We're beginning to grow in our exercise of faith of how God wants to talk to every one of us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it's so much better that I go away. Because I'm going to place the Holy Spirit and he will begin talking to you for me. Every one, every single one, it won't be limited to the 12 that I take aside and explain the parable. The Holy Spirit, every person that has me in their life, the Holy Spirit will begin speaking. And then we respond in faith. He initiates, we respond in faith. And so in our responding in faith, we're, we're again, that penetration, you know, go to my neighbor. We used to do something called uh, treasure hunts. If you're familiar with that or whatever, we did it a few times. And so the idea was is that you would come and get in groups of four or five, and you would ask like four questions. You would say, is there a certain place of town I'm thinking about? And you'd write down a certain place of town. Is there a certain color or theme there? Is there a person? And you'd write down these four, and you'd write down these four answers about what you believe that God was saying to you. And then you'd get together in your group and you'd say, Wow, we have a theme. Everybody said we should go to this. Bedard Park, or wherever it is that you're going. I mean, it, you know, you write it down. Go to this particular mall. All four of us had the same idea without even talking to one another. And then you had different clues there. And so literally, you would go to those places. And I remember one, we had a butterfly. I'm thinking, this is the wrong time of the year for butterflies. This doesn't work, but I'm writing it down, you know, <laughs> because that's what this, but stretching my faith. So I went to, to Barnes Noble. And we were looking, and we thought we found this individual that fit these four clues. It, but they only fit three of them. And I thought, well, that's close, you know. And so, okay. So we started talking to this person. As we're talking to him, there's a stand of books, and on the stand of books is a book about butterflies. And I'm like, man. So I don't know if you know this or not, you tell the person, but we wrote down these clues, here are the clues, and here's what we're doing. And so we just feel like, we, is there anything we need to pray for you about, you know, or maybe you had some ideas about maybe a particular prayer need. And so you do that. 
Does that stretch your faith? Oh, man, inside of me, I'm thinking I'm the least spiritual person in this group. It just, uh, inside of me, I'm like, I don't, uh, the introvert side of me actually having to go talk to somebody and say, you might be the answer to something I talked about. It's just hard. And yet, and yet, and yeah, Pam's over here, the extrovert, it's fun. Yeah, that's over here. She's like, yeah, we just get, uh, so inside of me, I'm like, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to want to figure out how to do this, you know, and uh, because it requires faith. For every single person, when God speaks to you, our response of faith is the measure, the kingdom mathematics, to whether we get more. And when we cease responding in faith, the mathematics of the kingdom of God says it becomes less than what we even had to start with. It's less than one. One plus zero is less than one in the mathematics of God's kingdom. When we don't have any effort to respond, then the little bit, so, it's, so for some of you in here, the reason I'm saying that, for some of you in here, that may be where you've been. You've heard maybe God speak in the past, but you, your priority level of it just went down, and you think God just wants you to gut out how to live the Christian life. That's the old law. He gave us Ten Commandments. Be good at trying to do the best you can to be in a Christian. That is not the new covenant. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's the new covenant. You don't have to figure it out. You have to fall in love with the shepherd because he will lead you wherever you need to go. Now, it doesn't mean there's not the responsibility that we have to care for ourselves and all those things. It just means that when we begin to be in relationship with Jesus, he will lead us in and out of green pastures. He'll lead us beside the still waters. And when we're in the valley, he won't leave us there alone either because he's with us in our valleys. That's the new covenant. It's not, today i got to figure out how to live a good Christian life. That's old covenant thinking. New Covenant says, Holy Spirit, what are you saying today? Do the same thing you did yesterday. Yes, sir. And if there's anything different, then do that too. It's being in tune with the Spirit in that way. That's how Jesus lived his life. When he was anointed by the Spirit, it says in Mark, it says that he saw the Spirit descend on him. And it says immediately the Spirit led him into the desert. You start seeing Jesus responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how he lived his life. And that's what he gives to us, is that we would live in the power of the Holy Spirit just like that. He goes on with a couple more parables. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full, full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. This is the production of the word of God, how it produces in our life, how hearing, he, he just gives you a... Um, Physical example of a spiritual principle. Same, same way it applies. First of all, understand this. It's a mystery. None of us are going to 
fully figure out how God's word comes to us and how it produces in us, but it's a mystery, but it's true and it changes. Just like in the physical, they put it in the ground. The guy doesn't know how, but somehow the, the old seed dies, and then that life that was in the seed begins to bear root and begin to take root and begins to grow. And then when it grows, it starts to produce a plant, and then it blooms, and then you get the fruit off of it or the vegetables or whatever it is that you're getting off of it. All that from that seed that you put in the ground, and you're not watching the seed. You just go back to sleep. You water it, make sure it gets sunlight put maybe some fertilizer on it, and it begins to grow. It's a mystery. All you know is that if you apply it in the right place, it has the best potential for that seed to grow. The production of it is a mystery. It also is gradual. Now, the gradual in God's kingdom can be really fast. It doesn't have to be the same as it is in, in our earthly sphere. But understand this, that when God begins to speak to you, it may just be slow. And in that speaking, that penetration, you may not see the changes in your life as quickly as you want to see them. You, you may be hearing God say something to you, and it just doesn't come to pass. When we went and started the church over in Tuscaloosa, I first heard the word about that three years earlier at a pastor's prayer summit. The Lord said, you know, Greg, somebody's going to ask you to come over and start a church. Like, like in Macedonia where Paul said he heard the man say, come over here and help. That's going to happen to you. And so for three years, I waited for that to happen. But I spoke the word. I told others about what happened and what I felt like was going to happen. I was open about it and allowing it to change. And eventually, there was a man that came over and was a part of a worship service here. And afterwards, he talked to his sister and he said, would you be interested in coming over and starting a church in Tuscaloosa? I said, that fits exactly with the way the Word of God said three years earlier. I had to wait, so it's gradual. So some of the words you get in this economy, the way that God grows things, you may begin to hear the Word and you're saying, oh, I wish I was like that person that hears words all the time. God's Word is going to produce fruit. It may take time. So let the gradualness of, of God bear the fruit that He wants to do that. Uh, change will become evident over time. Uh, you don't have to worry if the seed begins to grow. Even today, I went out to our little garden that we had, and I began to say, the tomatoes are almost ready, the strawberries are still producing. That's a, I looked at the changes of the plants from day to day. We got a squash plant. It was this, now it's out to here. I mean, I'm seeing the changes grow. Not one day to the next, but over a series of time, I can begin to see the changes. And if you will put God as a priority and let that penetration of that word come and begin to allow faith to respond in the areas that God's speaking, you will begin to see changes in your life. You will. In the same way that we see plants grow, you're going to see these changes occur within your life. Maybe you'll have a book of fullness in your life. And you see those changes that happen there. Again, he said, what shall we say? The kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The last P is the potential of the word of God. So you have no idea when God speaks what it can produce in your life. You say, oh, it's just, I mean, he just spoke that he loved me. You have no idea 
when his word is spoken and you respond in faith, how that word can produce something within your life. So I'll share an illustration for you. In 2010, Pam and I met some Australian pastors uh, through a conference that was happening here in Birmingham. A couple of them came and stayed at our home. About three weeks later, a month later, they called us up and they said, we want to invite you to a pastor's prayer summit here in Australia. They just called me. Okay, you want me to lead it? No, we just invited you as a guest. Okay? Oh, but Greg, you have to bring your wife. Okay? You want me to bring my wife to Australia. Oh, and Greg, by the way, we know you don't have any money, so we're going to pay for the whole thing. Really? <laughs> you want me to invite my wife? And so I was like, okay. Why do you want me to come again? You know, I'm, not, I'm just to come and be a part of a pastor's prayer summit. I mean, what, what's the reason? He said, we just felt like we prayed. And, and then what we, later we found out is that every year they invite people from different places. So we weren't special in that sense, but just on the docket for that year. And so coordinated it. And so Pam and I went for 13 days. But before we left, I said, God, I don't want to go empty handed. I mean, I, it's nothing. I don't have, I don't. I don't have anything to bring to them. It's not like I'm bringing a big church. It's not like I'm bringing. I said, is there anything you can give me to bring? And so Pam and I began to pray. And what we heard God say was, yes, I want you to pray for ladies that are infertile, that are having trouble having babies. Okay. All right. So before we left, we got on the phone and we're talking with uh, Isaac and we said, uh, Hey, I don't know if there will be an opportunity for this to occur, but here's the one thing that we felt like God said to me that I'm responding in faith and I'm acting on right now, right? Is that we feel like we're supposed to pray for ladies maybe that are having trouble having babies and, and, and just that we could pray for them. He got real quiet and he said, Do you realize that the secretary that's been handling your affairs is one of those ladies? He said, Not only that, we actually have a support group in our church called Moms in Waiting. And he said, we'll work it out, an opportunity for you to be able to pray for them. So I was like, okay. So we got there, and we're like, well, when are we going to get there? It was the last day we were there. They hadn't mentioned it to us again. I mean, I was nervous. I was thinking, well, you know, we're going to get an opportunity. And so he said, last day. And he said, last service. He said, oh, by the way, here's what we're going to do. We've told to the moms in waiting, and so after the church service, we want you to go over and pray for these people in another room. So Pam and I did. We went in. There were about 10 couples in there. And we prayed for the couples. Uh, we prayed for you know, different things, asked God to break generational curses off, and, uh, and just you know, by faith. We, did, we responded what, in God's word. We did what we felt like we needed to do. The next month, one of those ladies was the pastor's daughter that invited us to come. She got pregnant. I'm like, wow. God, you, this, is, this is incredible. I mean, we respond in faith, and life is coming out of that. Well, uh, throughout that time, uh, other uh, ladies became pregnant. And Jonathan and Melissa had an opportunity to go over and serve for three months over there. Melissa had problems when they got married. She said, I don't know that I'll ever be able to have children. When she got over there, she said, but I love Pam Gregg. So she began praying for these same ladies. She found out who they were, knew the story. So now she, who is not able to have children, was praying for these others to have children. And more of them were becoming pregnant. 
come back, Melissa, several years, uh, two or three years later, had done several things to try, you know, to see and not necessarily given up, but put it in a place of trusting God. And as she did that, she became pregnant. Miracle. So uh, she thought that was cool, and then about a year later, she got pregnant again. That was a real surprise. And little Stephen, he is all different there. So uh, about a year ago, we get a call, and the secretary, uh, Don, Donna, that we were familiar with, she says, we're coming to America, and we want to come to your home. So three weeks ago, Donna brought two of her children to our home. And so while she was there, Melissa came and sat in our home also. And I think that's it. And so there were four miracle babies sitting in our home. Now I'm thinking back to 2010 when God said, Greg, I want you and Pam to go and pray for ladies that are having problems getting pregnant. I want you to go to Australia when they don't want you to do anything but just be there. There, there was nothing that they expected of us. I was not leading any group. I was just there as their guest. And I'm thinking, what would have happened if I had not responded in faith? And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, you know, I don't know anybody there. What if, what if we had not said anything? Now, God can still do whatever he wants to do through whoever he wants to do it. But I'm looking at that, and I, saw, I said to myself, those are 30, 60, 100-fold responses to what God does in every one of our lives. When he speaks to us and we respond in faith, he has the ability to produce more. Now, all, all I did is speak what God is speaking. When God speaks to you and you respond in faith, that's all you can do. You have nothing. I, can, I couldn't make any of that happen. Not physically make it happen, but I could speak God's words of life. And as we speak God's words of life, change happens. You're looking at change. You're looking at change that happens. That it came back even toward us. When we thought we were given one way, it actually came back toward our family. So, let me give you just a real simple thing to do here. Uh, a way that you can grow. Fertile soil secrets practice. Here's something you can do. I got three little marks there. I have a zero, a question mark, and a plus sign. The zero is just my comments. So if you have a notebook and you want to actually do this, there's a way that you can do it. So zero. God, I thank you for my wife. I did not notice her haircut. And she was sad. God, has that ever happened to you? You can put your hand down. I don't want you to incriminate you. Okay. So the question is, I'm talking to God. How can I help her know that I'm sorry? The plus thing is what I think that God is speaking to me. In other words, this is the response. When I said, God, is there anything I could do? Then I write down the response. I'm telling you, this is a way for you to learn how to increase your faith, how to learn how to allow that faith to rise up. You can make your comments, you ask God questions, and then as best as you can, you write down your answer of what you feel like it is that God is speaking. Not like what you want Him to speak, but like what you think He is speaking. 
All right, very simple practice thing you could do here. All right, so if you had a pen and paper, you could just practice this in your hand. Here's where you're going to start right now. Ready? Here you go. So close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask this question. I want you to just think what you would write down as the answer. Close your eyes. Here's your question. God, what do you think of me? Pause and listen to what he would respond. The second question, is there somebody that I need to forgive? I want to pray corporately for us while you have your head bowed. And then we'll open up for ministry time after that. But let me pray corporately. Lord, all of us in here, we repent for the times we've not responded in faith to when you have spoken. You desire to have interaction with your children. In such a tremendous way. We ask God that you would speak to us. Lord, I'm praying that the enemy, the accuser of the brethren's voice has been so loud over so many hearts. It's been difficult for us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The accuser, and we repeat what he says so often that we don't think we can hear you. The accuser has told us that we're unworthy, that if people really knew what we were like, we shouldn't deserve to hear the voice of God. But that's a lie of the enemy. Father, we pray right now that you would, however you want to do it, get your spiritual Q-tips out, clean our hearing, that the desire of these people right at this moment says, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to walk and step with the Holy Spirit of God. I want my next thoughts be in line with the thoughts that you would want me to have. And so God, I'm praying all throughout this room that you stir up that gift of hearing. The hardness of heart will be broken up. Stir up the gift of hearing. The voice of the Holy Spirit. Already, the Word of God is taking root in your life. I could see, I could see it in this room. 
there are seeds that have been taking root. And don't belittle the day of small beginnings as in the mustard seed. It is taking root. God is changing you into his image. It's the image of his son. He's speaking life. He's speaking words of life. There's some of you in here that are so full of fruit, God's about to use you to sprinkle some seeds on others. For whatever reason, you've been withholding that. God says, now's the time. Now's the time for that seed to fall on other soil. He has been, I mean, you are just, I just see trees that are full of fruit. But that fruit was designed for others to share in, not for you to look pretty. Even Jesus cursed the fig tree because he said, you should be producing fruit for others. He went to get fruit from the tree. We know in John 15, Lord, that you said that you want us to abide in you, we'll bear fruit, we'll bear much fruit. Lord, there's some in here that are like those pecan trees over in Georgia. They have this thing come and shake the tree and the pecans fall out. <laughs> some of you are going to go through a shaking because that fruit needs to fall. Don't be afraid of the shaking. people, we, we admit we need this as a priority. You speak so much more than we are tuned into, so we're asking you to tune us into the right channel. Let us stay on that channel. Let us respond in faith and carry out the desires that you have for us. Would you stand, yeah, Larry? Would you stand up? We're going to have some time just for prayer. If there's some, you know, sometimes things like this, you say.